This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So there is a mantra and I do like it. People, planet and prosperity. Many companies pursuing ESG, many companies thinking about a future of sustainability. They use this combination of words quite often. You look after the planet. That means that you'd be thinking about the prosperity of humanity into the future or even vice versa. If people protect the planet, then they are ensuring prosperity and survival into the future. And so it's quite appropriate that um, in today's tourism feature, on the the eve of World Tourism Day taking place tomorrow, we are talking about sustainability and conservation. Um, South Africa um, has many fantastic conservancy spaces, national parks, wildlife. And in fact, we're told that many travelers to the country, that's the main draw card, is the big five uh, in, 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 in wildlife and then the beaches. And so if we're not thinking and acting more deliberately about creating beautiful spaces for conservation, for green ecotourism, then we obviously are going to uh, decimate a very important part of the tourism economy and the tourism value chain. And uh, we're joined by Happy Luisello, the CEO of South African National Parks, Sand Parks, to talk to us about where South Africa features um, on meeting um, the sustainable development goals, particularly the goals on climate change and alleviating climate change uh, as part of the UN's roadmap. The UN meetings took place last week. South Africa was there. And this would be a big component of the work being done. Happy look. Good morning. Morning, Dorato. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for having me. And may I just be sure that I've pronounced your name correctly? Mm-hmm. I have. Yes. Thank you. Happy Lue. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) So what what is, you know, let's talk about the work South African Parks is doing, uh, particularly in the area of conservation and green tourism, green investments. Uh, We we manage uh, approximately 70% of South Africa's uh, protected areas. Uh, through a system of 21 national parks. And our national parks are in seven provinces in South Africa, except KZN and um, Eastern Cape. Uh, not Eastern Cape, KZN. Um, what is here? Northwest. Northwest, mm-hmm. I think. Mean. So in almost all of South Africa, there's a national park. But the better known ones, which are the icons in, in, in the bouquet of our offerings is Table Mountain National Park and Kruger National Park. Those are the two best known internationally and locally. Yeah. But we also have in that mix of 21 other names that may be familiar to you. Ajo Elephant National Park yes. is one such. Um, in the Eastern Cape. Tsitigama, yes, okay. just outside PE, Tsitigama National Park. Uh, we have Golden Gate National Park just outside Clarence. Um, and the one thing we say is, from a tourist perspective, we have an offering for every taste. 
Mm. Because just from what I've read out to you, I think I've read out five national parks to you. Even geographically, you can already imagine, if you haven't been there, you can already imagine that they have different offerings. Table Mountain, Kruger, Tsitsikama, yeah. uh, Ado. So that's, what, that's the work we do. Um, our core mandate, Lerato, is that of conservation of biodiversity um, and uh, conservation of cultural heritage, which a lot of people don't necessarily know about. So uh, a lot of our national parks have got cultural heritage assets within them. I'm talking rock paintings Mm. uh, from the Khoisan uh, era. I'm talking uh, the Mapungupwe um, cultural landscape, which is um, a heritage site, a UN heritage site, um, with very interesting archaeological um, elements. To it, you should visit Mapungupa and invite you. Lerato, please do come. Um, so we—that's—that's that's what we are about: conservation and tourism is like a secondary mandate. Mm. Uh, we use tourism to run our conservation mandate. The, the revenues mm. that we make out of tourism fund our ability to to run conservation. We manage. Uh, Overall, 4 million hectares of, of protected areas yes. in South Africa. hope that gives you a good overview. Yes, that's fantastic. And I, I'm, I'm really intrigued that conservation is the bedrock. It's what you do fundamentally. And then tourism helps to support that. So when we come and visit, what we spend at eco-lodges and, and the like is what you spend protecting these parks and the, and the yes. life in these parks. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and 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 that's that's why I suppose because you mentioned that tomorrow is is World Tourism Day, mm. that's why people in South Africa, our domestic tourists, have to have an appreciation of the role that national parks play in in being almost. It really, we are, you know conservation is an anchor of 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 tourism. You mentioned this yeah. earlier earlier on in South Africa because I always say. Imagine this, every country, every destination, whether it's a country, it's a city, it's a little dorpy, hmm. or a, a village in the south of France, when all is said and done, there is something, a unique selling proposition hmm. that attracts tourists to it as a destination. If you really think about why people visit South Africa, they come for our flora and fauna. They hmm. come to see the amazing landscapes that perhaps is Locals we take for granted. They come to see the big five. It's not only about the big five, just the amazing landscapes. And some of them happen to be in the national parks. I think we 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 manage perhaps and we because it is conserved landscapes, we manage the most magnificent magnificent landscapes that you could ever find in this country. Mm-hmm. Um and and the other thing that South Africans need to have a full appreciation of uh, as well, I think that's taken for granted, is that we are in the top 10 of the most diverse countries in terms of our biodiversity. Mm. Um, and, and that makes us pretty unique. Uh, so every time we, we look around us, we need to appreciate our natural assets mm. uh, because these are natural assets that are God-given and why it is that we all have to play a part in protecting them uh, for future generations when all is said and done.
So what, you know, what are you planning tomorrow? So it's World Tourism Day. People could be thinking, oh, I'm thinking about the beach or I'm thinking about ecology in terms of the mountains of the Drakensberg. So in the context of what you showcase on a day like that, what what are you doing? Well, you know, we just, last week we had our annual uh, Sandparks Week, mm. which is a week that we give free entry to all South Africans, mm. all of our national parks. And uh, this year in particular, we offered two weekends, hey. uh, starting from the 16th to the 24th. So that's our contribution to the celebration of uh, Tourism Month. I'm still waiting for the numbers, but I was getting pictures uh, from across the country of, of the number of people who took advantage of this opportunity, and they mm. do take advantage every year. Mm. But in this day in particular, it's the first year after the pandemic where we feel relatively comfortable that mm. we can take major um, groups of people. And uh, as a bonus to South Africans, we gave away two free mm. weekends. Mm. Oh, so that's, that's, that's our take for 2023, yes. Yeah. It was a bonus. It's very soul-restoring, I have to say, to visit um, a national park, you know, to just kind of be in and around um, nature and animal life. There's a lot you learn that also has resonance with humanity, particularly if you study uh, something like an elephant population, I think, and the structuring of elephant groups. But be that as it may. So the the theme this year is tourism and green investments. Um, and I think that really then speaks to your core mandate because there should be green investments everywhere across the tourism value chain. But I think it's easier for you to pursue that agenda because of the conservation work you're doing. So tell us about how you're bringing this theme to life, how you actually go about balancing conservation and tourism, because you're looking after the animals, you're looking after fauna and flora. Tourists are coming in our viewing trucks. We're polluting a little bit you know, with the fuel, and hopefully people are not littering in national parks, but you've got to be very deliberate about that conservation element with the tourism one. Well, firstly, um, we practice what we call responsible tourism, Mm. uh, which is a form of sustainable tourism, and sometimes the two um, are used interchangeably. But essentially, responsible tourism is a form of tourism that respects the tourism, the destination's environment, Mm. the community, and the culture. Because perhaps people forget that it's not only about ensuring that there is no pollution. It's also ensuring that there is benefits to communities. There is an acknowledgement of culture and cultural significance. I've spoken about our, our um, mandate to conserve cultural heritage. Mm, mm. So how we do it is this. Firstly, um, as I said, our conservation mandate is the primary one. We practice what we call touching the earth lightly in mm. our tourism practices. Mm. So the revenue generator is always at all times balanced out to ensure that it does not become the primary driver. Right. So when you look at a, a place like Kruger National Park, which is on its own 2 million hectares, less than 5% of, 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 um, 
of Kruger National Park is is developed. Mm. There's roads, but it is still less than 5%. So you're not going to find uh, hotels dotting the landscape. Uh, We're very conscious about that. We're then also conscious about what we call the carrying capacity of a park, of a national park. So just this long weekend, um, you can imagine Kruger was inundated. It's our biggest park. It it attracts a huge number of visitors per year. Um, But to protect it, to protect the carrying capacity of the park, we impose quotas at gates. So we can't have, um, you know, an entire population of people descending over the park and just creating chaos for both the animals mm-hmm. and um, the other tourists that are visiting. Mm-hmm. In our building practices as well, waste management, water management, these are very focal points in those little elements, as I said, of land that are developed. So even when the private sector comes in to create a development, they have to subscribe to particular architectural requirements. They have to blend into the environment as best as they can. We are always keen to maintain a sense of place. So you're not going to see neon lights for for argument's (laughs) sake with a sticky sense of place. Uh, But the issue of sustainability is really coming to the fore now. You're talking about green, green energy, Mm -hmm. and... I must tell you, Lerato, and be honest, it's it's a challenge in the main because the one thing about the transition to renewable energy Mm. is that it is not cheap. Mm. So we are embarking on, have been on this road for a while of how do we transition as rapidly as possible to renewable energy uh, within, you know, within our budget. But it is becoming apparent that we cannot um, fund it directly from from our own budgets, and we need to bring in uh, the private sector to partner with us and to bring innovative ideas. And we have reached out for creating those partnerships most of these parks that, that, that we, we manage um, are in areas that allow for uh, use or easy use of, of renewable energy. So they're either in yeah. very hot areas. So, there's, you know, for example, we have Khalakhadi out there in, in, in the Khalakhadi the Desert on the border of Botswana yes. and Namibia. Uh, so that, that type of, you know, park lends itself very easily to solar energy. And the same for Kruger. Um, and then the ones on the coast lend themselves um, very easily to wind-powered energy. Mm. So okay. we are right for the picking. What we are now doing is just ensuring that we are we're creating those sustainable and mutually beneficial relationships with the private sector to enable us to make a full transition. We do have some renewable energy, some elements mm. uh, in, in the parks, but not entirely. Okay, and obviously, you know, uh, so whilst you're managing that transition in terms of your energy grid and, you know, migrating towards renewable energies, there's also the question of interest. And what I mean by that is how many people really in South Africa relish this idea of visiting a national 
Park. And to that end, you know, what are some of the initiatives that you've introduced to just showcase what a sand park offering is? Oh, um, before COVID, mm. uh, the COVID pandemic, we were receiving, and I'm just going to go into some stats yeah. uh, without, you know, overburdening you with them. We were receiving about 6.5 million uh, tourists in, in our park, which is quite a significant amount. Mm. Uh, and mm. a large percentage of that, approximately 60% on average, was domestic. Okay. Um, and we were very happy with that because the one thing that people need to understand is that the domestic tourism market in any any uh, country has to be the bedrock of the tourism economy. You can't always just be relying on international markets to, uh, to keep you afloat as a destination. So 60% were domestic. Uh, what's that saying? South Africans love us. They do. Um, for some South Africans, we're part of family traditions. You have people who do pilgrimages three to four times in their favorite parks, usually the Kruger. Yeah. We we have a, a joke internally where we say that some people, as they depart, they book their next holiday <laughs> at a park. So a we're very, thing. very thankful to them. Um, and um, when post-pandemic, and post-pandemic is a relative term because it's taken a good two years to emerge out of that slumber. But during the time 2022-21, the borders were closed and we were still able to open our gates to South Africans and the South Africans are what sustained us for us to still be surviving as we speak. Uh, And I'm saying surviving because uh, the tourism, we we, pre-pandemic, 80% 80% of our operating budget was derived from our tourism our tourism uh, activities, which meant that our dependency on, on the fiscal was very limited overall. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I speak survival, somebody will say, oh, it's a state entity. Well, what do they mean survival? Yeah. They're not you know, your typical tourism business. But we faced and we saw exactly the same challenges yeah. um, as the private sector uh, the operating yeah. in the tourism yeah. sector. Uh, we were decimated. Yeah. Um, and so if if at all, pre-pandemic, we took the domestic market for granted, yeah. I can assure you I didn't uh, because I told you I've always appreciated yeah. that it's a bedrock. Okay. Um, post-pandemic, it was very clear that had we not had a domestic market to fall back on, yeah. uh, we simply would not have survived. Okay. And as we wrap up our conversation, Happy Lucillo, you know, many people always say, the national parks often border indigenous communities, local communities, or even incorporate them uh, because the animals move freely in and around the villages uh, that are neighboring. So it's very important for the tourism industry, for the conservation efforts to include the local community. How do you have communities getting involved? The ideal is, um, remember I said we practice responsible tourism. And responsible tourism speaks also to communities. Um, And it's about ensuring that there is mutual benefit Mm. with communities, that there's a benefit outflow 
from our activities to communities? Well, firstly, we are major employers in most of the areas that we operate in, and and we are major catalysts uh, of economic development. But that said, we need to change, and we acknowledge this, we need to change gears and ensure that our activities are in tandem in terms of responding to the socio-political and socio-economic changes and challenges that South Africa faces, mm. uh, which amongst others includes ensuring that we incorporate our communities as much as possible into our value chain and into our supply chain. This has to be deliberate. It does not happen automatically. Uh, and it's a massive effort because in the most instances, if you're going to incorporate members of the community, small business into your value chain or into right. your supply chain, there's an element of training um, and skills transfer that is required. So it is a major undertaking, but it is an undertaking that we are welcoming yeah. because we do appreciate that unless there is that mutual sharing of benefit with communities, yes. um, it's counterproductive. Our efforts are right. counterproductive. The communities okay. themselves have got to understand why it is we exist. All right. So it is that triple bottom line issue as well. Yes. Thank you so yes. much to you. Happy Luis Losi of South African National Parks. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.